Welcome to the podcast version of Police Science Doctor, the online resource bridging the gap between research and investigative practice. For police personnel who go the extra mile. For academics who want to connect better with investigative practitioners. On YouTube and on policesciencedoctor.com. Hello, hello everyone. This is Suzanne Knabernicole from Police Science Doctor, where research is translated into something actionable for everyone in the law enforcement community, intelligence or military, whatever you think is relevant from what I cover, you are more than welcome to have it. So police science snippets is something that I send out to anyone on the register to the police science doctor email list every Tuesday. Um, they get a link with three what I would consider golden nuggets of research that has been published mainly recently, but sometimes also some older research that I think is immediately applicable or actionable in some way. Um, I scour through research articles because most of them are very theoretical or extremely specific to something and are not actually that well, actionable to um, for frontline officers and law enforcement practitioners. So the ones that I present to you here, the ones that I send out in the email with the link to the links to the original research, and I then talk about this, these three snippets on a Tuesday. These are things that I think are a lot more practical and applicable um, than much of the other research that is published. So I've, I've, I'm trying to do the, all the groundwork for you, basically, is what I'm trying to say. And uh, I hope you find them useful. So today, what I've um, extracted is, first of all, giving statements in your native language versus your second language. So um, this research found that interviewing eyewitnesses in their native language rather than their second language elicits more accurate information related to objects and action. However, being interviewed in their second language elicited more place-related information. Now, I, I, you know, I, I admit there is not a clear do it in this um, in this language versus do it in that language, but it's perhaps something to consider when it's, um, it is very relevant to get the information about the incident, it might be better to do so in the person's first language, perhaps using an interpreter rather than in the person's second language. So, for example, in an English-speaking country like the UK, if somebody is has you know a decent command of English, so personally, based on what they're saying here, unless they're really fluent, I would, I would get an interpreter in. Um, but again, that will be down to resourcing, timing issues. Um, but if you want to read more about this research, click on the link that I've, that is out in the email address. If you're not on the Police Science Doctor email list, you can join for free. Just go to policesciencedr.com and leave your details in the registration form. Um, the second snippet for this week is reactive addressing of discrepancies. So this is um, talking about suspect interviews and strategic use of evidence. Strategic use of evidence, or SUE, is basically making sure that you as the interviewer don't, don't go in the interview and, you know, just blah, 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 list everything, you know, um, disclose everything that you know. You don't disclose all the evidence you have to potentially implicate that suspect. You do it strategically, you know bit by bit, so that the suspect does actually not know at any point how much more you know than than you do. Because if you tell them everything in the beginning, they know exactly what the limit is of what you know. But if you do it strategically, um, you know, you're creating more of an air of, well, you know, I, I might know more than I'm telling you. Um, so they did some research to look at a specific way of using strategic um strategic use of evidence. And then it's called reactive addressing of discrepancies. So just addressing a discrepancy is when the suspect tells you something that goes against the piece of evidence that you already know. So you know that, you know, potentially this may not be true. 
Now the question is, do you do you do you let them carry on and do you carry on the interview and then maybe later bring up or you know challenge the discrepancy? And by challenge, I don't mean you know in a hostile way or an aggressive way, but just saying, you know, can we just talk about what you just said here? You know, because the information I had, you know, can you just explain why this is perhaps different to to what I've um, I've been told before? So the research, you know, finally getting to it, um, is found that interviewers responding to discrepancies in suspects' accounts by non-aggressively challenging all of them immediately. So as soon as one comes up, you 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 know you, you question the suspect about that rather than letting the interview go on further, rather than only reacting to severe ones. So rather than disregarding some of them and only responding and challenging severe discrepancies, um, elicits more information from suspects. So you know just to clarify this, this because this was a bit convoluted. So it's it's better to query each discrepancy as and when it comes up, whether it be minor or major, rather than, you know, just responding to the major ones. So query every discrepancy as it comes up, but in a very respectful and calm way. And uh, the third snippet for today is about the behavior of victims of sexual assaults when these victims work for the military services. It's very important to understand victim behavior in things like sexual crimes and domestic abuse, because People, society, individuals still have very false ideas of what a victim should behave like. And then when the victim behaves differently, they get confused and they wonder why that is. And they wonder if that may be because what they're saying is not true. Whereas we need to understand there's a whole range of normal, genuine victim behavior. And, you know, any, any, any victim can be anyone on that, can be anywhere on that spectrum. And it's important to accept, okay, you know, this, this may be a completely normal. Re re way of responding and reacting to this. So the snippet is military personnel subjected to sex assaults were less likely to physically resist than civilian victims of military offenders. So this is either civilian, um, civilian or military personnel being sexually assaulted within military setting. This may be due to the high rate of familiarity between both parties and the fact that many of these assaults took place when the victim was asleep or passed out. So the article was talking about the fact that um, perhaps people might expect um, you know, military victims, so female soldiers, for example, to be much better at physically fighting back than perhaps civilians who work in the military or civilian members of the public. Um, because, you know, they're trained to fight, they're trained to combat, they're trained to deal with um, hostility, but actually they were less likely to do that in this study. And that might be because, first of all, they were either passed out or asleep when they were assaulted, but also because um, it, it might be more likely that they, it, most, most rape victims are familiar with, their with, their, with the rapists anyway, but perhaps even more so because they're working together. And it's, it's important to understand that. And not to think that, you know, well, you know, she's a soldier. Why if she would have fought back if that was the case? Well, no, we now see that actually soldiers are even less likely to, to physically fight. Uh, so these are the three snippets for today. Um, again, if you want to receive this into your inbox every Tuesday without any spam, you can just go to policesciencedr.com and leave your details in the registration form there. And then you get access to the password protected read page on, on the Police Science Doctor website. Now the read page has all the previous science, previous science snippets, 60, 60 weeks worth of them in a PDF format. You can download each of them um, if you're interested. It also has all the transcripts of the videos um, published on the Police Science Doctor website. 
So, um, well, thank you for listening today and I hope that you found this interesting and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening. I hope you found this content useful. You can get access to each episode's transcript with key learning points, timestamps and references if you get yourself onto my mailing list. Just go to the main website on policesciencedoctor.com and on the bottom of each page you will find a sign-up form for notifications of new content. Just enter your first name, your preferred email address and the type of organization you work for. You will not get any spam, this is just for me to let you know about new content and for you to get access to all the transcripts. Thank you.